Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from the 10th to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we return to Sicily, and more specifically, to the slopes of Mount Etna, Europe's most active volcano, to meet wine producer Alberto Grassi, who is considered one of the pioneers of the revival of viticulture on Etna. Thank you for being my guest today, Alberto. How are you today? Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm fine. And what about your volcano? Is it erupting? Well, you know, Etna is always erupting. If you consider that uh, technically an active volcano is a volcano where there was uh, an eruption uh, in the last uh, 10,000 years, but uh, last year we had something like 60 eruptions. So it's a super, super, super active volcano. So we, we can say that it's always in, in activity. And someone said that this is our, uh, the lucky part of it, you know, because it's, uh, uh, all the energy goes out and uh, avoid uh, other possible disasters. Sure, yeah. I was with you in September, and it was very active then. And I remember we came down off the volcano to Taormina, and of course the streets and everything, it was just raining the black grit that falls on the slopes. So we had a real understanding, I think, of what it's like to live and work on a volcano, uh, where you've made your life. Yes, yeah, sometimes it's uh, also a problem no, for the daily life, like uh, to move, uh, sometimes they close the airport, but we like to take the positive part of that. This is energy, this is, uh, let's say, a natural fertilizer for, uh, for our soil, and uh, this is unique, what, is, uh, what we can uh, say. Now, Alberto, you started your wine activity in, I think, 2004. Correct. So just just 18 years ago, and, and in that short time, you've achieved an immense amount. Are you originally from Etna, and did your family already have vineyards here? I was born in Catania, and Catania is, uh, is the Etna province, let's say. My family is from Sicily, my father uh, from uh, Catania, my mother from Agrigento, a beautiful place famous for the Greek temples. But my grandfather, he was a farmer and he, he had a farm in the center of Sicily in another place. So I am from Sicily and uh, deeply connected to the agriculture, let's say. But then you decided to transfer to Etna and I guess in 2004, the state of viticulture was 
very different than what we're finding now. So it was quite a brave move. Yes, you know, uh, at first I decided to go to study in Rome, uh, the, the, we say the eternal city. Uh, I studied uh, business administration, economics, and then I went to work in Milan, which is the most uh, financial city in Italy, uh, to work uh, in a bank. Uh, but then I wanted to come back to my roots, to Sicily and to agriculture, but what, with a new approach, with, let's say, a new point of view, because my grandfather, uh, he was... Uh, producing mainly cereals and also vineyard, but with a quantity approach, uh, selling the wine in bulk. I decided to sell the farm there and to restart Onetra because I was uh, inspired by the great classic wines of the world, like uh, traditional Barolo, wine from Burgundy, and I thought it was possible to make a great classic wine Onetra from Nerello. When I uh, speak about the classic fine wine, I think about a wine that has everything in the glass, let's say the universe. So complexity, deepness, generosity, but without any excess, always maintaining the elegance and the finesse uh, magically intact. So I thought that uh, Etna, that is a place of paradox between hot and cold, between fire and ice, because it is a mountain, but it's an active volcano with the sun of Africa. I thought that Etna was a place to make a wine with this magic balance and able to express this magic paradox. Okay, so you went from being a banker in Milan to to believing in planting vineyards or growing vines, finding ancient vineyards on this volcano. Now, Etna is one of the most ancient wine regions in Italy. They say that the vine was cultivated here centuries before Christ, that perhaps in Homer's Odyssey, the Cyclops Polyphemus grew vines on Etna that he tended. And when Odysseus came to meet the Cyclops on what most scholars believe was Aetna. And viticulture continued over the centuries. Tell us a little bit about, maybe in the last century, the history of that vine and how it came to be lost and needed to be rediscovered. Yes, you know, Aetna is, of course, a place where viticulture is part of our blood because it's so ancient, the, 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 the activity of viticulture but also it was always continuously practiced because even in a very difficult moment and period, it never stopped. And of course, especially in the last 200 years that we can focus our attention on, on this period, there was a period, because you know, when we speak about a great zone of wine, there is also the market aspect. No? because wine is a product that is made for people, for the market. And uh, if we focus our attention on the last uh, two, three centuries, at the end of, uh, seven, uh, of 700, the, the 18th century, there was already a great international market of, of uh, wine from uh, Etna. Uh, there is a beautiful uh, book from uh, uh, Sestini, who was a scientist, 
uh, in at the end of uh, of uh, 700 that uh, speak about this uh, possibility and this vocation of Nerello to travel. The fact that the wine was already produced for other places, other market. What is magic about wine is this vocation, this capacity to go around, to travel, to speak about the landscape. And then in the 19th century, especially at the end of the 800s, uh, in, uh, in the same period of the explosion of the phylloxera all around Europe, the Etna region became more and more and more important. So we arrived at 52,000 hectares of vineyard, and it is a lot. If you think that in Bordeaux there are something like 120,000 hectares, all Sicily today is 100,000 hectares. A small region like Etna was so big. My goodness, that's incredible. Yeah, because, because all this wine, it was... Uh, they used to send to the port of Riposto, that was uh, an important port that became important because of the wine market. And through the port of Riposto, the Etna producer, they used to send this wine to Genoa, well, where the merchant, they used to sell the wine everywhere. So in South America, in Europe, because you know that in that period was uh, more... Uh, uh, let's say convenient, and uh, this was the practice to use a wine from another zone to balance uh, some, uh, let's say, problems of the vintage uh, instead of doing the sugar addiction that was practiced later. That is also that is also allowed in a lot of states of Europe, but not in Italy, because you know that in Italy is not allowed to add sugar in the wine. So in that period, they used to they use the elegant and the vibrant wine from Etna that they also were really able to travel uh, to, uh, let's say, compensate some problems of cold vintages. So we had this great vineyard, 52,000 hectares on Etna, and yet gradually... People left the mountain. People found work elsewhere. These old vines, some cases ungrafted, were abandoned. And when you came in 2004, many of these old vineyards were no longer in production. Correct. This, vi- this vineyard, they were uh, um, this big quantity of vineyard. We are talking about uh, like uh, the 18. Uh, 18, 1893, 1895. But then, year by year, when it stopped this market of the of the blend, let's say, because uh, with time, the possibility to add sugar of the wine from other countries uh, of Europe, and also the increasing of labor cost, and uh, the, uh, let's say, uh, logistically, um, approach that uh, here in Sicily, you know, there was it was not uh, yet ready to make what bottled wine, but you know the bottled wine is something more recent. Also in other 
important zone from of Italy, but also in France, the, 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 the market the, of bulk wine was very important. So all the increasing cost, the change of the, of the market and the, uh, the reduced capacity of give value in terms of the market uh, made this activity less sustainable and a lot of vineyards they were abandoned but what is really special is the fact that a lot of small incredible and unique vineyards they survived because the attention of uh, of the owner of this vineyard and uh, let's say passion for this activity uh, was uh, what uh, uh, gave them the energy to to cultivate the vineyard, always losing money or uh, or without any gain. Uh, and so there are beautiful old and also engrafted vineyards that they survive. And the vineyard they survived, they are the vineyard in the best places, like where we are in Passo Pisciaro. Some vineyards are very high altitude vineyards. Uh, the majority of the vineyards they survive, they are in the north side of Etna. Okay, and these would be the palmento. Is that correct? What is a palmento? A palmento is, uh, let's say, like a winery, but with a very old system that also was used by the Roman 2,000 years ago. So with a press that is made with a big tree, and with the leverage system, no, there is a big tree. At the end of the tree, there is like a big stone, and they used to to use this leverage with the with the weight of the stone to press the grape. And uh, it was used in the past, especially in the last centuries. Of course, now the the production is a modern production, generally with a traditional respect, but trying to make elegant, vibrant, and uh, let's say wine with integrity and purity. So, Alberto, what are the what what makes the Etna wine region completely unique and unlike any other in the world? Able to to produce wines that can express themselves with this power and elegance. So, you know, I think that there are three very important characters that they make Etna so unique in the world. So one of these is of the most evident probably is the fact that we are in an active volcano because you know that we always talk about volcanic wine, no? but when we speak about volcanic wine, we also speak about a lot of time region that they have soil with volcanic origin but it is not from an act, a superactive volcano like Etna. So uh, Etna is a place, as I already was talking about, that uh, is uh, superactive with a lot of eruption, explosive eruption uh, every year. So it means uh, that this black arch that we have exploded from the volcano with the lapilli, with the small uh, stone, it goes on the top of the soil so the soil is, of course, partially is a soil with the period that is related to a, a, the geologic origin of the lava flow, but part of the top of the soil is contemporary. So it's incredible to make to the idea to make wine in 
where a part of the soil is contemporary. So it's not from 1,000 years ago or of 10,000 or 100,000 years ago, but it's from yesterday or today. So this is unique. So it, it is something that influences the exchange capacity of the soil, the texture of the soil, and every aspect of the soil. And this is the, let's say, soil aspect. And a lot of time we ask to ourselves, what is important, the soil or the weather? But of course, the weather is probably the most important thing for a vineyard, but the soil make also the climate identity of the place because influence also the weather, the soil. So the soil is very important. So first, the volcanic soil. Second, of course, the paradox between hot and cold. So we have the sun of Sicily, and because of that, we can do, we can cultivate the vineyard, a very, very high altitude vineyard. So this incredible weather with the great variation with day and night, sometimes also 25 degrees Celsius or more, or variation between day and night. The possibility to compensate uh, an hot and dry vintage thanks to the night temperature and humidity. And third, Etna is a very unique place because it's a complex ecosystem. When we speak about sustainability, today is very trendy to speak about organic and uh, sustainability, natural viticulture, and a lot of people, they speak about an estate, but this makes no sense because we are the leaves of a forest. So we can speak about sustainability. We can, be, we can speak about a certain approach of making viticulture and wine only if we live in a complex ecosystem. And Etna is a complex ecosystem. We have 1,300 hectares of vineyard but we have 16,000 hectares of woods. It's not possible to make sustainable viticulture if you don't have uh, trees, because trees mean birds, and birds mean the, the possibility to have uh, a balanced ecosystem, because they eat parasites. They, they, uh, complexity of ecosystem means uh, uh, bees, means butterflies, uh, means winds. So Etna is a special place for that. We live in a protected park of 50,000 hectares. So 1,300 hectares of vineyard, 16,000 hectares of woods, 50,000 hectares of protected park. So that's why Etna is a unique place and can be a place to make a unique wine, able to express the the emotion of the landscape. And what's interesting as well, Alberto, is that we are talking about Etna as the single wine region, but you have many sub-regions from the north, the east, the south. And in this um, unique wine region, great white rosato and red wines are produced. I know in your winery, you produce all three. Can you tell us about these wines the grapes are produced from and why they are special? You know, I think that uh, this uh, wine, Etna Bianco, Etna Rosso and Rosato, they, they are the classic and historical appellation from the original disciplinary of Etna DOC that was uh, um, 
published and established in 1968, so it's one of the most historical in Italy. Uh, they are, for me, uh, unique because they are able to express the great identity of this place and this vineyard. Thanks also to these two typical grapes, the Tarnerello Mascalese for red and Carricante for white, and uh, that are, uh, for me, uh, really adapt for this weather because of their very long maturation cycle, adapt because they are able to express the diversities of this unique place. You were talking about the zone of Etna, in effect, another unique aspect of making wine on Etna is the fact that Etna has a variation in altitude between 500 and 1000 meters above sea level for the vineyard because Etna is also a volcanic cone so when you go around the volcano there is a change of exposition, sun exposition, humidity, quantity of rain and uh, of course, the, the aspect of the different texture and composition of the soil. Always volcanic, but sometimes coming from uh, a lava flow, an eruption of uh, 50,000 years ago, and some other time from 500 years ago. So all these diversities, they make also Etna a place with a diversified vocation. So there are some places, some vineyards, they are more probably vocated to make a great Etna Bianco, so a white wine from Carigante, or a vibrant and deep Etna Rosso, or sometimes some vineyard that because of the position or the altitude or the different humidity, uh, they have the vocation to make a beautiful wine from uh, Nerello Mascalese that is less about tannins but more about juice. And it is in this case we talk about Etna Rosato. In my case, I think that all this wine, they must uh, maintain uh, and protect the, the purity of uh, uh, this fruit so that's why we try to have a full maturation in the in the vineyard and this is the place where to look for the deepness and the complexity but we try to be very austere in the winery um, not too much wood not too much intervent uh, trying to maintain the the essence and and uh, uh, let's say elegant that uh, come from this uh, vineyard. Now, Alberto, we're talking about wine, but life on Etna is unique, and life on Etna has its own traditions and culture, not least of which is the gastronomy. Can we talk a little bit about, with this range of white, rosato, and red wines, some of the foods of Etna that naturally pair so well and that are equally important and a part of the culture of Etna. Yeah, you know, this wine, they, thanks to this uh, vibrant, uh, uh, let's say, expression coming from uh, an electric acidity, thanks to the, the mountain influence and uh, the salinity, thanks to this Mediterranean 
expression, they are perfect wine for gastronomy and very flexible sometimes. For example, at Tanarosso, you can easily pair and successfully pair with, for example, on Etna, Etna is famous for sausage, no? This uh, salsiccia al ceppo, so from uh, black pig from Nebrodi and uh, this, uh, this fat uh, taste of uh, the sausage is perfect with tannin of Nerello. But Nerello, Etna Rosso, also uh, changing the service temperature is very uh, flexible. So you can also pair with the grilled tuna, with the fish, because uh, it's at the same time complex but light. So it's possible to be very flexible. Also for white, no? Etna Bianco is, uh, has this uh, um, typical smell sometimes of uh, citrus, like, uh, or, or uh, like, uh, remind me a lot of time the, the, the sea smell. And so it's, it's perfect with fish, with fried fish uh, that, uh, Thanks to this acidity, this savory acidity, is perfect with the fried shrimp, for example. They, are, they have this sweet tender. So it's uh, this uh, gastronomical uh, capacity to, to pair with food is uh, something uh, very interesting for this wine. Well, Alberto... It's a fascinating story you shared with us, how in such a short period of time, in your case, less than 20 years, you have been able to revive viticulture in this ancient wine land, in this land that is one of the oldest in Italy for the vocation of growing grapes. And yet, for wine lovers, it's also one of the most exciting to discover, because 20, 25 years ago, there were very few bottles of good Etna wine on the market. And now uh, other producers have come. Etna wine is finding its way around the world at tastings. It is, it is ranking with, with the great wines like Barolo and Brunello. I was at a very interesting tasting with you in Tarmina Gourmet with the blind tasting of Etna Rosso. Barolo and Brunello di Montalcino that was fascinating to see the levels that Etna wines are rightfully taking now. Uh, so it's a very exciting region. It's been a real pleasure meeting you today and talking and learning about what makes Etna so special and about life on this volcano. So thank you very much for being my guest today and my very best wishes to your work continuing on the volcano, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Mark. It was a great pleasure for me. And a few words about uh, uh, Etna. Uh, the, I think that the most uh, incredible way to understand Etna and Etna wine and to fall in love with Etna is to come here and uh, this is the only way to understand what it means uh, to be in an active volcano and to make wine in an active volcano. Yes, I'm, I'm sure you're right on that. And I hope that our listeners who are all around the world 
will be inspired to visit Aetna to discover your wines and to enjoy the local foods, especially that wonderful salsiccia al chapo, which I certainly enjoyed when I was there with you. So thank you, Alberto. I hope to see you again soon. A presto. Thank you so much. Ciao, a presto. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.